Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and I have with me today Rena Van Alst. Hi, Rena. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm doing very well. How has your week in Strata been? Yeah, very busy as usual. Um, always new challenges, but um, yeah, it's going really well. We are slowly recovering from the deluge here in Sydney. I'm wondering if it's still going to be raining when this episode goes to air. I, I find that when it rains in Sydney, everyone goes a bit crazy. And yeah, you know, I why think so. is it raining in our beautiful city? This isn't Melbourne. What's going on? Yeah, it's been um, <laughs> quite wet. But I think we we actually needed the rain. It's been dry for some time, and I think the poor people in the country need the rain more than we do. I think. Yeah. For sure and you can't really complain when you sort of get in the car get out of the car walk into your office get in the car go back home walk into your home exactly all right well let's jump straight into it what has been your challenge for this week Rena? I think um, this week I've had a few issues relating to a meeting that I held last week and it was about proxy forms and their execution Amanda so I think sometimes um, people managers especially when they're in, in the capacity of chairing the meeting or even beforehand when they're assisting um, the chairperson with all the preparation to let the chairperson know, you know, who's eligible to vote. Mm-hmm. With proxy forms, people don't realise that they have to be completed properly. So you have to have the date, you have to have who the proxy is from and who it's going to. And if there's more than one owner, it's really important that the actual proxy form is signed by all owners. And if it's not signed by all owners, it's not valid. Um, The other thing also is if the proxy giver or the owner of the lot is actually a company and there's more than one director, then you actually need to have all directors sign the form as well. Now, I think a lot of strata managers perhaps may not be aware of that. And I think about, it might have been over 10 years ago, I had a large AGM and this sort of came to light at that meeting. So it was a large meeting. We'd spent over half an hour trying to do all the registrations and give out, you know, the people that had were appointed as proxies, give them the voting forms. And this woman turns up and says to me, I said, oh, yeah, so-and-so's got your proxy form. She said, no, I haven't given my proxy form to that person. That This proxy form has been forged. Hmm. So anyway, so we had to base, so I had to go and tell the chairperson and then before the meeting was then halted because then there was aspersions cast on any of the proxies that had been given to this particular person. Hmm. Anyway, so the meeting had to then be adjourned and in the meantime, you know, there was obviously some trouble in the building between certain factions. So they contacted the Office of Fair Trading and the Office of Fair Trading came out to our office and actually went through every single proxy form to check the validity of the proxy form because of the complaint that had been made. Mm. And it was fortuitous that 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 this only one had been incorrectly completed for some reason. So the meeting was then held. It continued from the motion that we were up to. And then there was further trouble, so it had to be then adjourned a second time. So this AGM, I recall, started in July and finished in October. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but um, 
And I think sometimes with companies, people don't know whether or not there's more than one director. So sometimes you may want to ask for a company nominee form to make sure that all directors sign. And if it is only one director, they should say sole director. Yeah. I just, can I just stop you there? Because there's something I just made a note to come back to you on. When you say the company appointing the proxy has to fill in the proxy form correctly, has to have the form signed by all directors. Is that where there is no company nominee listed on the strata role? Because if there was a company nominee, then that person can no, but just even turn if up there is vote. Amanda, it doesn't matter because they can still appoint. Like that is for if the person is turning up themselves. But if that company wants to, because a nominee can't give the proxy, yep. the company has to give the proxy to another person apart from the nominee. If they might want to appoint the, they might the want chairperson. To, yes. Yeah, yep, they that's can when do they use that. a proxy form. Yeah. If yeah. there is a company nominee named on the strata role, then that person can just turn up and vote. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Yeah, yep, that was my understanding. Yeah. And the other thing also, I think that, as you said, Amanda, the company nominee must be on the roll before we get to the meeting. So they can't just rock up with the form mm. and say, I'm the nominee yep. because you can't, it has to be on the strata roll, which means it has to have been received before the meeting had commenced. And usually, you know, it's got to be entered by the strata managing agent into their software system. Mm. Yep. Excellent reminders there. Uh, some basics perhaps for some long-term experienced players, but always good to revisit those and remember what the requirements are for a valid proxy. And it can get complicated when we're dealing with companies with multiple directors, company nominees, and general meetings that take four months to resolve. <laughs> yeah. But most of the time, Amanda, people, unless something is contentious, I mean, you know, you might have one person signing a proxy and it, it's accepted by the managing agent or the chairperson and nothing ever happens, but it's yes. only when there's something that's going on and then every single thing that everyone's done has been scrutinised. And I think it's good practice, I said, as managing agents, you know, when you, you do know that if there's more than one person that owns a lot, then both have to sign, otherwise that proxy form is not valid. Yep, definitely. Okay, well, my challenge for this week arises from a question that a member inside the YSP online community has asked in the members only forum. And it was a fabulous question. We had a little bit of back and forth about it in the forum. And I put it on our spreadsheet here, Rena, to uh, have a chat with you about it and bring it to the attention of our listeners. It's about replacing strata committee members when there is a vacancy on the strata committee. Mm -hmm. And we have the relevant section of the legislation is section 35 in the Strata Schemes Management Act. Now, section 35 says that the Strata Committee may appoint a person eligible for election as a member to fill a vacancy if there is a vacancy arising. And the question that the member inside the YSP community asked me was this, does the Strata Committee have to fill vacancies or because of the operation of Section 35 where it says may, it uses the word may appoint a person, does that mean that positions can be left vacant on the Strata Committee until the next annual general meeting when a new committee is elected? And it is a very interesting question because we also have this requirement that you'll be familiar with, Rena, when it comes to quorums for Strata Committee meetings, the quorum is determined based on the number of committee members originally elected. So if you originally elected eight and you need four members to attend, then that is your quorum for strata committee members for the whole year, even if you might have two people resign. So you've actually only got six 
positions filled on the committee, your quorum is still going to be four. So that can make it really difficult to achieve a quorum when you need the vast majority of committee members to be present. So um, the discussion that we had in the forum was around why the legislation is phrased as a a may, as seemingly giving the discretion to fill vacancies, yet upholding that rather onerous quorum requirement. Mm. And we couldn't find anywhere in the legislation that required the Strata Committee or the Owners Corporation to fill vacancies. It didn't seem to be mandatory. The only thing that we were able to point to, and I have to give credit to the member who raised this, was in Section 30 of the Act, it says that the Strata Committee is to consist of the number of persons determined by the Owners Corporation. So query whether that means if there is a vacancy – the Onus Corporation is to fill that vacancy at the next general meeting because the Strata Committee is to consist of the number of persons determined by the Onus Corporation and the relevance of Section 35, which gives discretion to the Strata Committee, is to leave space for the Strata Committee to fill the vacancy rather than the Onus Corporation. I appreciate that's a little bit convoluted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so me- yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, I think what you're saying is correct that even in the previous act, the Strata Committee had to replace that vacancy mm. in Schedule 3, but I can't remember the section now. Schedule 3 to the 1996 Act. I'm just putting my hand to that. And you're right, Rena. In Schedule 3, Clause 4, vacation of office of member of executive committee, as we used to call it, that clause said that when a vacancy occurs in the office of a member of the executive committee, then the owners corporation must appoint a person eligible for election to fill the vacancy. Now, Rena, is that just talking about office bearers? So the chairperson, treasurer or secretary? Yeah, yeah because when um, you look at it says strata committee to appoint offices, offices is actually defined as means the chairperson, secretary or treasurer of the owners corporation. So in that case, it, it is referring to the office bearers. Yes, and I think that remains the case in the new Act as well. Yeah. If there is a vacation in the position of office bearers, then they must be replaced. Yes. But it's looking like uh, there's always been discretion to replace strata committee members who vacate their positions as opposed to office bearers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that's probably where the confusion has arisen in the past, I would say. Mm. So a practical difficulty that uh, this member was experiencing, and I'm sure many other committees experience, Rena, you probably see it too, that where uh, strata committee members vacate their positions, they are not replaced. We still have the higher, if you like, quorum requirement. Mm. We're having trouble achieving a quorum. And bear this in mind too, sometimes if there is dysfunction or there is disagreement, between committee members, people who perhaps don't want to be involved anymore in that difficult process, in the disagreement, there's a falling out, they vacate the committee and those who are left are those who perhaps are pushing their own agenda, those who perhaps don't get along with others. And that was something that this uh, member inside my community was raising. You know, effectively we're left with the bullies and there's no requirement to replace those people who may have been the voice of reason, which is disappointing. 
Well, I think in that case, Amanda, those people can probably approach other like-minded owners and, and ask them to nominate for the strata committee, knowing that there's a vacancy. I had a recent case where two members resigned at the same meeting. Uh, one person was having a baby and the other person just had a lot of work commitments and travel. So, you know, they felt they weren't able to contribute sufficiently. And in this case, obviously, there was you know, two sort of thoughts in the building about certain matters and therefore we had four nominations for two positions. So mm-hmm. it just depends, I think, on what's happening in the building. And But hopefully if, if people are worried, they should then make sure that the vacancies are replaced. And how does that work, Rena? Because the way I read the Act, it's for the Strata Committee to fill the vacancy. So is that then a decision of the Strata Committee? Yes, yes. But, I mean, I think it, even though the Act says it may replace the vacancy or fill the vacancy, I think it would be if there was an issue in a building and there are some people that, that are eligible to be nominated and they're putting themselves forward and the committee saying, oh, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to fill the vacancy. I think you go back to that section 30, I think you mentioned, mm. so, well, you know, the amount, if there are people that are willing to put their hand up and are eligible, then they should be allowed to. And I think it would be very unwise for any committee to, to try and use that 35 mm. to whatever it was to try and stop people coming on. Yeah. So convene a general meeting and then under that section 30, subsection one, uh, determine the number of persons to fill the strata committee Yeah, at a general meeting by the owner's corporation, the owner's corporation's decision prevailing over that of the strata committee. That's right. Gosh, a lot of effort, isn't it, to have to achieve mm-hmm. a fair say and have the democratic process properly exercised. Yeah, that's correct, Amanda. I wonder what the policy is there behind the discretion to fill a vacancy. Why don't they make it mandatory? Yeah, I think it may have been an oversight. Mm. But then, Amanda, there's another thing here on Section 38, and it says acts and proceedings of strata committee valid despite vacancies or defects. Mm-hmm. It says this section applies if when any act or proceeding of a strata committee was done, taken or commenced, there was a vacancy in the office of an officer, okay, of the owner's corporation or any other member of the strata committee or mm. any defect in the appointment or any disqualification of any such officer or member. Mm. Therefore, it's taken to be done in good faith is valid, blah, blah, blah. So Yeah, as if the strata committee were fully and properly constituted. So there's an assumption there that the strata committee is not fully and properly constituted if there is a vacancy. I think you might be right, Rena. It, everything else seems to point to an assumption that the strata committee will be maintained at the yeah. same number of members as were elected at the AGM. And the only part that seems to be missing is a mandatory requirement to actually yeah. fill vacancies. Mm, apart from an office bearer, if that apart does from occur. an office bearer. Yep, indeed. Oh, fascinating stuff. And thank you, uh, that member who I know is an avid listener, uh, for raising that question and giving us that brain strain today. <laughs> it's always good to <laughs> yeah, test, test Rena and I. All right, let's move on to wins, Rena. What has been your win for this week? Um, well, I had a building where an owner who owns the majority of the lots has undertaken works to common property. They had taken undertaken works two years ago and no bylaw was actually ever passed. And again, this is happening this time and I, you know, went down there, I had a look at all the work. I, I advised him that you need to, a bylaw for these works where common property was affected. And of course nothing happened. And then then he sent me the DA application because he wants to change some of the external parts of the building. And I said to him, well, I'm not going to sign the actual DA in any event because obviously you need a bylaw first and that has to be passed at a general meeting. And it was lucky that the City of Sydney 
form, which I think is a new one, that refers to, Amanda, the fact that you can't make the declaration and execute the development application if Section 108 of the Act hasn't been complied with. Mm-hmm. And for our listeners, I'll just go quickly to Section 108, and obviously it refers to changes to common property, that section of the Act. So mm-hmm. basically for managing agents now, it says in Section 108 you obviously need a general meeting at a bylaw if it's not minor works and even you know, they're not covered by any other bylaws. Mm-hmm. So I think now this will give more assistance to managers when pressure's being put on them to sign DAs, at least from City of Sydney, you have that notation on the form to say that un- when you're signing the form, you're actually saying that that section has been complied with. So, mm. of course, then I told him that and then he went back to his lawyer and ended up getting the um, bylaw drafted and now the meeting is being convened. So. Mm. Excellent. Yeah, so it was actually, yeah, so at least, I mean, there were works that had been done before that and they'd never been covered by a bylaw, so that was a good thing, Amanda, to have everything all, you know, wrapped up yep. now that, that the new requirement has come into effect. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a good outcome. Yeah, good reminder that where you are having to apply to council for development consent to do work within a strata scheme, if you are going to be affecting the common property, then the owners corporation is one of the parties who needs to sign the DA as the owner of property that's going to be affected and no doubt like you Rena, I've had the experience of some councils being more on top of that than others and it's good to mm. see that City of Sydney is now actually citing the relevant part of the legislation which requires yeah. the bylaw and requires that to be in place first which makes sense. A case that I'm involved in at the moment which I'm hopefully going to report as a win in a few weeks time involves quite the opposite where a lot owner is doing some minor work inside their lot. It's actually cosmetic work. They're putting up some partitions. They are actually not penetrating any of the common property. They're not moving any electricals, any cables. They're not drilling through any walls. They're essentially setting up their new commercial property as an office. And the Owners Corporation has demanded a common property rights bylaw and is refusing to sign a DA. And I have had a look at it and I've said, well, you're actually not affecting any common property. I don't believe that you need a common property rights bylaw. At the most, you might need an ordinary resolution if some of it is minor work, but I'm not even convinced yet that that's the case. I think it's all cosmetic. Yeah. And uh, the council should not be requiring the owners corporation to sign this DA. I don't think they understand how minor the work is. And at the moment, I'm in the process of setting up a meeting with the council to be able to explain to them that the owners corporation doesn't need to sign this DA and in fact doesn't have anything to do with the decision to allow uh, somebody to run an office. Yeah. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'll hopefully have a good outcome there for these uh, clients of mine. Um, But interesting the different approaches that are taken by councils and some not understanding the nuances perhaps of strata law. So, Amanda, in this particular case that you're referring to, is this a commercial building or a residential with a commercial component? It's a commercial building. So. Ah. The building is uh, it's approved for business use, which includes offices, um, but apparently a DA is required because the premises has been vacant for some time and uh, the planner who's involved um, has advised that because it hasn't been used for quite a long period, this particular lot, then there needs to be consideration by council to um, re-enliven the, the office use, if you like. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, whether that's the case or not, who knows? We'll soon find out. Mm. <laughs> Okay, well, the win for this week that I want to have a chat about, uh, I'm calling this a win because we are looking like we're going to get in New South Wales 
Finally, some guidance from our state government about short-term letting in apartment buildings. Now, I've actually bumped up this episode so that this could be brought to air as quickly as possible. It was an announcement made only last Tuesday, the 5th of June. And I will do my best to summarise what it is that's being proposed. We have very limited detail at the time that we're recording this. But in short, the New South Wales government is apparently going to allow owners' corporations to limit short-term lets in their buildings in certain circumstances. So the high-level detail is that there is going to be a 180-day cap on using your property for Airbnb-style short-term letting and that is only for owner-occupied apartments. So if you're an owner-occupier, you can short-term let your apartment for half of the year If you are an investor, an owner's corporation can pass a bylaw actually banning you from short-term letting your lot. What's being proposed apparently is that there can't be bylaws that prevent owner-occupiers from short-term letting for that 180-day, up to 180-day period. Uh, Apparently, there's also going to be an industry code of conduct and an exclusion register for hosts or guests who commit to serious breaches of the code. That's about the limit of the information that we've got as this goes to air. And of course, Rena and I will keep you all up to date on what's happening in this area. We know it is such a hot topic. We really have no, as far as I'm aware, Rena, timing on when we might see drafts of this legislation, whether it's going to come in as amendments to the Strata Schemes Management Act or standalone legislation. We don't know yet. And what the detail of, of how this will be enforced, who can calculates the 180 days, who enforces the code of conduct. Uh, We have none of that as this goes to air. So make sure you're on the list, the email list for your Strata property for our weekly newsletters and you'll be the first to get updates on this and you do that by heading over to yourstrataproperty.com.au and there's a pop-up there where you can sign up to our list and make sure you get all of this up-to-date info. So look, I'm reporting this as a win, Rena. It seems like a compromise solution. We were uh, Mm. a little bit concerned that there might be nothing done about uh, regulating this in apartment buildings, leaving it up to owners' corporations to continue to deal with on an ad hoc basis. Uh, How are you feeling about this? Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of um, questions that are still to be answered, Amanda, because OCN sent out an update to all their members uh, yesterday as well. And in that update, they referenced, you know, different cities and and how they've been, like New York, Paris, London, how they've been uh, regulating, for example, the number of days, because you could say, well, is 180 days means like every weekend could be, so that means a whole year really could be, people could rent out their rooms. I don't really know much about people renting out rooms, Amanda, I don't think that's ever really been an issue because Mm. normally if the owner is around, then that's always going to assist with any short-term rentals because, Mm. you know, they're there and they can assist. But it's more, I think, when the owner or sometimes even tenants are actually subletting the apartment that they've rented just to – to make more money. Um, yeah. I think those are the ones that we have been concerned about. But um, hopefully there's more information that will be coming out on how this is all going to work and how it's going to be policed and enforced and where this register will be of, um, of offenders because mm. there's more than just Airbnb. There's, uh, there's stays, there's other platforms 
that people can use to rent out their apartments. So, yeah, absolutely. And just on that topic, Rena, of um, tenants subletting for short-term lets, I did see pop into my inbox this week. Uh, I think we've had a case in New Zealand where oh. a landlord has successfully sued a tenant, uh, I think, for damages oh, arising yeah, I from. Oh, yeah, actually. Yeah, because yeah, they rented out their apartment. Yeah, for subletting. Yeah. yeah, so we hadn't seen a case like that, as far as I'm aware, in New South Wales or even in Australia. So, uh, a New Zealand case. I will get the details of that and make sure that that's in the show notes for anyone who's interested in that one. Yeah, that's a great idea actually, Amanda, to have a look at that case. Mm. So, yes, we will uh, continue to wait and see what further detail we get. Uh, I am impressed. I think it was two weeks before this there was supposed to be a press conference uh, revealing these proposals and it was cancelled and I'm impressed that it only took another two weeks for the proposals to be put forward. I was a bit worried that we were going to go back to months and months of waiting. So at least we've got some direction now. Uh, more. For- but I want to Amanda if what had been proposed two weeks ago was vast different to what's mm. been put out now due to pressure that's been put on some some backbenchers I hear um, yes. as, as to why this whole thing has been, you know, changed. But we'll see. Yep, we will definitely see. Our exciting times ahead, as always in Strata. That's why yeah. we love it. That's why we love it. <laughs> All right, I think that's it from me this week, Rena. How about you? Me too, Amanda. Nothing to add today. Oh, good. Back to work. Okay. <laughs> Take Thanks. care, Amanda. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today? today?